Good morning. I'm happy to be here for one reason. If it's all about Jesus. My name is Edwin Bako. I'm a mortal man who appeared on this earth about 65 years ago. And the conversation is a simple conversation. And the title is, Have You Met Jesus? You're falling in love with Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Sometimes it blows my mind. It just blows my mind to see people in the presence of God. There's a mighty presence here. So be careful of what you think. Be careful of what you say. Just let your focus be on Jesus. Why do I say, have you met Jesus? You could be attending church for several years. You could be operating in the spiritual gifts. But you may not have met Jesus yet. I will draw a lesson from the Acts of Apostle. When Peter and John, other people prayed for the lame guy and the guy was healed. That's chapter 4. I'm just summarizing. The onlookers were shocked. So these guys were hauled before a Sahindrim, okay? They, are, they have done something wrong. And what did they say? They said, what power or name did you do that? That was the question they asked. Now, these guys were ordinary people, unschooled, who have been filled by the power of the Holy Ghost. And their master, Jesus, is no more. But look at what they're doing. And then 4, 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 3 said, They realized that they were ordinary, unschooled men and were astonished. But what they noted was that these guys have been with Jesus. They have met Jesus. When you meet Jesus, it transforms, it empowers you. Now I'll go on to talk about how I met Jesus briefly. And the meeting of Jesus that happened Sundays, Wednesdays, all over the place. It's really, is that really a meeting where Jesus is present? He sends the rep, the Holy Spirit. Now, life before I met Jesus, I was a strong Sunday school boy before 1968. I went to Laboni, Form 1, 1968, 20th September. I was a strong Sunday. When I went in there, things changed. I changed my behavior. During the secondary school time, I read about revolutionaries. As early as Form 3, I led a gang. We had black label whiskey in my decks in the classroom after Sunday, after prep. Even Sunday nights, we take a thought. And we are troublemakers. I continued to the University of Ghana, 1975-78. Read philosophy, read book on 80s, and I did not want to become a Christian. I resisted becoming a Christian. Christians came to preach. I had Christian friends. And I read all books. I read a lot. I read about four books a month. 
But a book I never read at that time was the Bible. I never wanted to own a Bible. I resisted. Even when I was hospitalized one day, the doctor who put me there saw me reading a book by an atheist. Why I'm not a Christian. She was shocked. Now, I was also involved in transcendental meditation. That's oriental meditation where people do astral traveling, the soul gets out of the body, and people sit down and levitate. They fly. It's a dangerous practice which was labeled as a realization method. It's an Eastern Oriental occultic practice. I was in it for 16 years. Then one day, 1992, I had a strange sickness. I went to Kolebu and what the doctors told me was every test proved negative, which is I'm a normal human being. But I was walking like a toddler, being supported. Now, life was ebbing. Life was getting to a close when I had a praying wife. And she used to pray with some other people. And the suggestion was that one of the prayer fellows came and said, can we try prayer? And I said, prayer? <laughs> what do you mean by prayer? I never prayed. Doctors couldn't do much. What will a prayer do? And you know, some strange sense of humor. I was taken to the botanical gardens in Lagon. That is where I put myself in bondage. And with a small pastor, I saw this guy, I just laughed. And I started all those Marxist theories. You know, religion is the opium of the masses and so on. Why I don't, I don't want to be a Christian. So he laughed and said, let us pray. He stretched his hand and I fell under the power that I came to realize of the Holy Ghost. And I got up and I was free. Jesus has set me free. That was my road to Damascus. Every soul has got his road or her road to Damascus. That was mine. And from that time, 94, I went to Britain, sponsored to continue my accountancy course, finish it, and then work with Coopers and Libran at that time. And then one day, I chose to go to a church called the Vineyard Christian Fellowship where they empower the people, where pastors don't pray for people, we pray with people. And I was put in the prayer team. 27th May, I, I don't know whether it was a mistake. I went to buy a book because I want to read Christian literature now. And the book, Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. I came back into my room the book was on my bed I lay in the bed and something strange happened I took the book and shouted good morning Holy Spirit and myself and the bed started shaking vigorously and the book just flew off nothing was shaking apart from me and the bed you know I was a very stubborn person radicalized discotheking so I didn't believe what was happening it continued for almost 30 minutes when I got down to pray, I fell backwards. I couldn't just get up. And I saw a world open. A lot of things were happening in that world. Strange things. So I lay down for almost one hour. 
when I came back, I was on the floor. So I directed this to one of the vineyard pastors. They said, look, when you came, we prayed and told you that God has got an assignment for you. That was the same thing I heard from the guy in the botanical gardens. said, God has got an assignment for you. You have refused to do it. So right, I surrender to the Lord now. So I was in their prayer ministry until I came back. Now, when I came back, something happened in my life. Some guy who never prayed, like me. I wake up three, four every day to start a prayer. One-on-one -on -one with Jesus. It's one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. You meet Jesus every day. And what I did, I started with the 15 minutes, just meeting, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because we're meditating for almost 30 minutes to one hour every day. One hour one solitude, silence, talking to God. And more importantly, listening to him. That is more important when you speak on one on one. What we call the quiet time. Very, very important. That is where you draw power from on high. That is where you are endued with the power of the Holy Ghost. And what happens after you have met Jesus, this will continue to be your lifestyle. Prayer, one-on-one -on -one prayer, quiet time alone. That is quality time. Quality time is no noise making. You go into your chambers like the Lord said in Matthew 6, 6 and 7. He said, go into your chambers. Don't babble like the pagans do. Just pray and listen to what God will tell you that what is more important. Mother Teresa said, I am only a little wire. I start my prayer in silence because what I will tell God is not what is important, but what God would say and work through me is the major thing. Short, sincere, and simple prayer at your prayer time, your quality time. You write down what God says. He speaks through scriptures. He speaks through songs. And he can tell you by word of knowledge, which is one of the spiritual gifts. Very important. You stay in the presence of God. There's a powerful presence here. And you listen to God. Have you met Jesus? You say yes. You had a salvation through the water baptism, isn't it? But in the Bible, they said after the water baptism, somebody is coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, is it? Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life? Every aspect of your life? If you say you have met Jesus, it should. It should work. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we are fortunate to be given about nine gifts of the Spirit and then nine fruit of the Spirit. In that combination, you become an awesome prayer warrior. If you want to have prayer discipline, we pray with power. So desire 
the gift of the spirit that's what paul said first corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 anybody who is interested in getting to know more because paul said that you must have that information about the gifts of the holy spirit 12 to 14 first corinthians chapter 12 to 14 read that and you'll be well informed about the gifts of the spirit and he said desire the gifts of the spirit because it's very necessary for your life most people don't know about the gifts of the spirit I think they know about the misuse and abuse of speaking in tongues shouting and making all sorts of noise that's not what the Bible says chapter 14 talks about tongue extensively it is a powerful powerful spiritual weapon which edifies you and when it's interpreted it edifies the church when it edifies you you speak to God and yourself that is very necessary now quality time one on one if you get empowered in your house and you come to a meeting this meeting was called by not John not Nanako few anybody or sponsors or anybody this meeting was called by the holy spirit every church meeting the holy spirit is the person who convenes the meeting so you're going there to meet the holy spirit prepare from your house for the quiet time you've got a lot of power in you to come here so all of us have just drawn on that power and then we are coming to put it together to change events to compel people to change to take control of the country and to take control of our enemies that is all inspiring to have people who have prayed in their homes come here to pray invoking that power together from the same source will change everything in your life it will transform your life and how does it come about i'm coming to the church the church what is the church by definition the church It's a fellowship of believers in Christ, isn't it? It's not a building. We have the denominations. Sometimes it causes more confusion than it provides solution. I heard you were talking about solutions here. Does it provide solution? When we are being told, Paul said, you lift up holy hands and you still have unforgiveness in your heart and you go to church and come back and still hate your brother where are the answers coming from there are things that stops you from meeting jesus every day even when you come in a gathering like this why don't you leave those things at the gate and come in with open heart it's about your heart isn't it the early church what did they say whether in small or large groups a church is defined as where two or three are gathered in my name he said there I am I where two or three uh you heard of mega churches the mega churches came from the united states that was the description when a lot of people thousand you know it's not about numbers i can tell you it's about the presence of god 
at a gathering. I have attended uh, gatherings of six people where the presence of God just dropped on people and it changed their lives forever now. It will change your life. And the presence will go with you everywhere. So where two or three so take your morning devotions with your partners, with your children in your home. Take it serious. The presence is there. Don't ever think there's no presence. There's a presence. There's a big presence when you come in his name. Over there, there's no money matters, isn't it? Devotions. When the church stops focusing on money matters, money is important, okay? It's a means to provide resources. But when that becomes the focus, instead of Jesus, instead of the word of God, when the church is monetized, they lose power. They see powerlessness. Somebody asked me, yeah, you come to preach here. Why do people go to church every day? Sundays and Wednesdays, and we don't have change in the society. It's because the members have not become the church yet. If they become the church, we'll see transformation in the workplaces, in politics, in other places. So the change must start from the church and the members must become the church. That's the difference when you say this is the church. They have members become the church. The early church, what did they do? What were the standards of the early church? I get to the standards of the early church. Acts 2.42 said they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. One. Two. To fellowship. Three. Breaking bread. And to prayer. Four things. To prayer. Nothing else. And they sold their properties and gave it to the poor. If you read Acts, it was not about money, martyrs. It was not about money matters. It was about the presence to go and influence things in the society. To heal the brokenhearted, just like Psalm 147 verse 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. That is quality fellowship time. When these four things happen. When people are allowed to use their gifts of the spirit and the talents they have to worship God freely. Because I've been in a vineyard situation in England where pastors don't pray for anyone. We in the prayer ministry team pray for people. And people are encouraged to pray. So a church that prays will flow power into the people. And people will go in and flow power in their homes and their workplaces. They will not fear anyone. They will fear God. Because God will fight for them. Because what are we doing? An empowered church would not fear anyone because already you have efficient sex talking about that. You are coming against principalities and powers, forces of darkness, rulers and authority. As a Christian, why do you have to fear those guys? When you have the, the weapons are also stated in that chapter. And you have the spiritual gifts. Why should you fear the other guy who is trying to intimidate you? Because he's a boss. Because he's got some power. But you draw authority from heaven. And crush that power. Yes. That is what makes Christianity what it is. 
Christianity is not a social event. It's not a social institution. It's a supernatural phenomenon. Every Christian who is endued with the power of the Holy Spirit must move in the supernatural. You must not fear. You must respect everybody. But it's not to fear and compromise the Christian standards. The early church, they did a prayer, and we do prayer and we do testimonies. We do love. I've seen people who love people. They support the needy. They have supported the needy, and they study the word of God together. That is what the apostles were doing. And that is what the church must be doing. Acts of Apostles have got 28 chapters, okay? The other time I put a question, somebody should open 29th chapter. A person said there's no 29th chapter. You are. The church is the 20, Acts 29. The chapter, blank one, given to you to continue those signs and wonders that happened with the apostles when they continued the early church standards. Four things there. Prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread. Before even you take a communion, I've read a whole book on that. It's, it's a very, very daunting tax. That's why you shouldn't take it in an unworthy manner. Because it heals. Yes. A guy fainted in Kumasi. And what happened? That's a testimony. He didn't do the right fasting. You know, they said dry fasting. You know, there are many things about fasting which are being misconstrued. And he, f he passed out. And my kids were with the guy. I was just like, God, what is this? Is this a police case? He said, no. You have your communion in your bag. I have a small bag that day, and I have anointing oil. He said, go anoint the guy. And I called the guy three times. And in the name of Jesus, the guy got up. I said, wow. And I said, take this. He took it, and he started speaking. That is the power in breaking of bread. It's a very serious matter. If I'm not prepared, I don't take bread. But I always, I take bread every day. I have my small communion. Before I come to preach, I have to take it because it's a dangerous job. So I took it when I entered this place. You can take bread, break bread in your small groups. It's allowed because it's a small group. Who is convening that? The Holy Spirit. So in summary... I want to tell you that the church must become the Acts 29. The standards have already been spelled in the Bible. Open your hearts to receiving the gifts that the Lord has got for you. Yield to the representative of Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit. It takes full control of your life once you speak to him. And don't leave the prayer discipline. The prayer discipline. You have to pray. It's a command. And the prayer is not given to some prayer you need somewhere. Everybody should pray. 
And when we all pray, that's what is awesome. As you sit here, those who have got the revelatory eyes, if God shows you the heavenly forces which are here, you'll be careful when you are stepping out. It's not imagination. It's so real. The power of the Holy Spirit is so real. When it touches you, it will transform you. But it's just like the fuel. You get it into the vehicle, you use it. What do you do? You top up, isn't it? So continuously, every day, there's the need. There is the need to top up. Now, for those who will always want to be intimidated, whereas they have the power, let me tell them something here. In 2 Corinthians verse 4, chapter 4, 7 and 9. So we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great spiritual treasure or power. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So that power is in the jar of clay. That's why I introduced myself as a mortal man. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. That is the world we are in. You get enemies, mortal enemies, anywhere. They will come against you because you are standing for Christ. And when you stand for Christ, you are standing for the truth. They will do all sorts of things against you. But brethren, there is somebody who will fight for you. Just go in and invoke the scripture. Take the scripture. Gather a portion at a time. I take one verse every day. Although I read the others. But I take one verse every day and I meditate on the verse. That's about it. And invoke that verse against the enemies. That is the sword of the spirit. You throw it. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah, sure. That is it. So you should not be wanting anything. Because he meets your needs. God will meet your needs. So... I concluding I will want us to say a prayer and the prayer will be in this form we are all going to just stand please let's stand and reflect and then we'll say a prayer we'll say a prayer just open your hearts to Jesus just open your heart to Jesus. Just open your heart to Jesus. Put your needs. You know your needs more than anyone. You know your needs more than anyone. Yeah, as the song ministration goes, let's put your needs. Father, come and touch your people. Come and deliver people from bondage. Come and heal the brokenhearted. Come and heal the sick. Those who are sick in the homes, Father, stretch your healing hands towards them and mercies. 
Lord, be a shield unto all of us. Protect us from the forces of darkness. Grow this church. Let its spirituality rise above everything else. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Tell Jesus something. And note it down that you came here on the 7th. And you told Jesus about something. A need. And the solution came. In the name of Jesus. Just release the anointing upon people, right? Sure. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We release the anointing upon the music. Touch them as they minister. Let there be healing. Let there be healing in the name of Jesus. Yes, Father. We praise your holy name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen.